praise God. Uh, you know, I just heard the sirens. I don't know if you heard those sirens, but um, every time I hear sirens, the ambulance, you know somebody's in need. Uh, somebody has either gotten in an accident or there's an emergency that's happened and uh, some, somebody's broken. Something's broken. And I'm going to talk today about brokenness uh, because it's part of our world. It's part of living in a sinful, fallen world. You cannot escape brokenness. And, um, you know, we've experienced brokenness through grief. There's times in our lives when we've lost a loved one or a friend, and we experience the broken heart of grief in that. And there's also times uh, when we've been wounded by somebody by the words that they've said or the actions that they've done, and they've broken our heart, and that can happen as well. There's brokenness from sickness uh, of mind or body. There's brokenness from transition and change. I remember when our kids had grown up and we had the empty nest. My first proclamation was a little bit sooner. I said, freedom. My wife was like broken, right? Because she had invested so much time in those children, and that was a big part of her life. Uh, so there's a lot of different ways that we, expre- that we experience brokenness in our lives, and uh, this can have an effect on our lives. You know, I try to hear what God is speaking to me through everyday life, through ex- uh, circumstances and experiences that I go through, my pain, my own pain and sorrow. I've also heard him speak through uh, dreams that I've had and interpreted those dreams. I'm going to share one with you later on, but uh, you can see my little pinky is in a splint. This was how God spoke to me recently, and I want to share that with you. Uh, last Sunday evening, uh, we met for a barbecue with the DR team, and uh, so uh, we were playing basketball, and Lieutenant James and I were on the same team. I think we were winning. We must have been winning, yeah. I think we were winning. But I went up for a rebound, and the ball hit it. I, I, this has never happened to me, uh, and I've played sport. I've never broken anything. But uh, I looked down at my little pinky finger, and I was starting to you know, keep on playing. And then I looked down, and I said, uh-oh. And my finger had been dislocated in two places, and then the knuckle had broken through the skin, and it was bleeding. And uh, I, amazingly, um, I looked down, I said, oh, no, I can't go golfing next week. <laughs> but then I said, oh, no, I've got to go to the emergency room. And I've got to have somebody look at this. Now, uh, Lieutenant James and Jason, they were ready to pull it out. But then when they saw the blood, they said, no, I think you better go to the emergency room. They were ready to straighten out for me. So, uh, so I went, and, you know, it's Sunday night, and you're thinking, all the good doctors are not there on Sunday night, you know? You're going to probably get somebody that doesn't know what they're doing, a young PA or something. Sure enough, we met a young PA there. And, uh, but uh, what we did is, uh, you know, thankfully, uh, Rose was there as well, Jason's wife. She happened to be a nurse there, and so uh, she helped us during that time. But, uh, you know, when I had broken that finger, I knew there was something wrong. And uh, I knew I needed help, right? So I did go to the emergency room. I did whatever I could to get that finger fixed. 
But you know what? When we have a broken heart, a lot of times we just try to ignore it. We just try to say, well, I guess this is the way things are always going to be. I guess I'm always going to be hurt or else I'm always going to be in this position. There's nothing I could do about it. There's nothing that I could do to change that person that hurt me or change what's happened, the loss and the grief I've experienced. I guess I'm just going to have to live with this and bear with it. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that brokenness is not a negative in God's kingdom. It's not something that is in our lives to destroy us, but it's something that is there to bring us closer to God. And there's a verse in the Scripture. It says, uh, You do not delight in sacrifices, Psalm 51, 16 and 17, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. This was written by King David in a time of brokenness in his life. The brokenness happened because of his sin. Now, he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then he tried to cover it up by getting Bathsheba's husband killed in battle. And it looked like it was a mistake, or it looked like it was a a wrong thing to do because he charged ahead, and then all the other officers and army pulled back behind, and they let Uriah get killed. And it was the order of David who made this up. Then David lied about it, covered it up, and then uh, him and Bathsheba had a son. The son died. David was brokenhearted. And then somebody finally came to him and said, David, you know, what you've done is wrong. And for the first time, he realized he had been living with a broken heart, but also in rebellion to God. And so he says this prayer. He says, Lord, it's not any sacrifice that can make this up to you. There's nothing that I could do, but I can come to you with my broken and contrite, repentant heart, and I can come to you with my brokenness, and I can ask you to heal me. And so this is what David did. And so it's an example to us, no matter how far we may feel as though we've blown it or walked away from God or been hurt terribly, God is able to come to us and meet us. Spiritual brokenness is something that can actually bring us closer to God. And there's a definition that I found here. Spiritual brokenness is knowing that without God, you are nothing and can do nothing. It is a total dependence on him in every aspect of life. It's a cry from the depths of your soul that shouts, God, I need you. God, I want you. God, you are everything to me. Will you meet me in this place I'm in right now? I don't understand it, but would you meet me in this place? That's what David did. And that's really what God calls all of us to do. David discovered that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. The idea of somebody that has a brokenhearted or crushed in spirit, that word crushed in spirit means disintegrated. It means to be beyond repair. 
And there's sometimes in our lives when we feel relationships or our future is beyond repair because of the loss we faced. But I want to tell you that God can restore. He can renew. He can change things in our lives. And brokenness is actually a way to intimacy with God. You see, my finger was beyond my ability to repair it, so I said, I need to go to the emergency room. And so we went there, and then we met Rose, who was there, who was in, in our church here, and she was, she was there. And then when the doctor came in, when they called the specialist, Rose said to me something. She says, oh, boy, you got him. I said, is he good? She goes, he's the best of the best. I said, wow, thank you, Lord. I got the best of the best. He's the hand specialist. He's just not an orthopedic surgeon. He's a hand specialist. And so he took care of me, took great care. You know, I was so glad that I went to the ER rather than had Lieutenant James pull it out. (laughs) You know, when it comes to a broken heart, we need to go to Dr. Jesus. We need to go to the one who knows our heart better than we know ourselves. You see, my doctor, that doctor who became my doctor, he knew what he was doing. He was not taken back by the look of the finger and the blood like my wife almost fainted. But, but, but he, wasn't, he was used to it. He understood, yes, it's a broken finger. No problem. He was very calm, gave me the Novocaine, and then pulled it out, and within 15 minutes, he was done. And I had my hand. Now, he said it's going to take six weeks to heal. But, you know, that's the same thing that happens with a broken heart. It takes time to heal. Initially, when we get things aligned right, when we ask God to help us in our lives, when we open up to him, he begins this work in us to cause us, if we need forgiveness for sin, we begin to believe that we're actually forgiven for the bad things that we've done. If we need restoration, we begin to have hope that there's still a future even without that loved one in our lives. There's something that happens in our lives that God, only God can do by the power of his Holy Spirit in our lives if we'll surrender to him. And this is what Jesus spoke about. In Isaiah chapter 61, uh, verses 1 and 2 and 3, Jesus actually went to his hometown and he quoted this verse in the temple but it was actually a prophetic word that was speaking of what Jesus' ministry actually was going to be. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for prisoners. You see, Jesus had a ministry of binding up broken hearts. And he still has that ministry today. He still does the same thing today through the power of the Holy Spirit. And not only was Jesus anointed for this ministry, but then he anoints his followers to be healers of broken hearts. Because as they've been healed, as they've been helped, they're able to share that same comfort and hope with other people. And so this ministry of healing that Jesus did is still going on today. God restored 
people in the Old Testament. He destroyed people throughout the Scripture. He's able to do the same thing today. You know, a lot of times we get discouraged when we pray about our brokenness and nothing immediately happens. Sometimes, sometimes the healing of the heart and relationship, it takes time. It takes, it takes time to, to change and to heal that. So this week I went back to the doctor and I said, Doctor, I said, my sons are taking me out golfing. We got this great place to go. Am I going to be able to go golfing? He says, I can't tell you that. I can't tell you to go golfing. And then, and I knew why. Because, you know, it's a malpractice. If he tells me I can go golfing, I hurt my finger again, right? So then at the end of the, at the, end of, uh, the appointment with him, he says, you know, next Tuesday, keep your head down. He's, he gave me the okay. He gave me the okay. But you know what happens? When God begins to heal us in our lives, when we begin to really believe that he's at work doing something in our lives to change us, he gives us the go-ahead to move forward in faith. But you need to realize that the doctor, the Lord Jesus Christ, has spoken to you. Well, how do you know that? How do you find that out? And it's only by coming to him humbly with a contrite heart, is what David said, coming before him. Not just going to an event, not just going to church and hearing a good sermon, but it's actually you personally coming to God and talking with him and laying out everything before him. And saying, God, I need you. I can't do anything without you. I need your presence and your power in my life. I need you to do something in me that I can't do alone. You know why? Because the heart is deceitful above all things is what the Bible says. It's beyond cure. And that's using an exaggeration because God is able to cure the heart. or He's able to heal the heart. It says, who can understand it in in Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. And so God can see our heart even when we can't see it, even when we are confused about what's going on in our life or the situation that we're in. God is able to do something that we can't do ourselves. Isaiah chapter 57 verse 19 says, The high and lofty one who sits in eternity, the Holy One says this, I live in a high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. That is powerful. You see what he's saying? He's saying, I am here. I dwell in a high and lofty place, but I come down and I meet you in the place where you need your healing the most. That's the kind of God that we serve. And that's what is displayed throughout the Scripture. So what happens? How how do we know that we have a broken heart? What are some of the symptoms of knowing that there's something wrong in our heart? And I want to give you just four of them. One of them, how can we tell? Sometimes our emotions tell them. One of them is unrestrained anger. Do you just blast out in anger and rage at times? 
it can be an indicator that there's something going on in your heart that God wants to heal. And it's just coming out in that way. It's being expressed that way. But you have to follow that emotion down to its root cause. Why is that happening? The Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil a place of occupation in our lives. What happens when we hold on to anger and bitterness and we don't give forgiveness towards other towards others? The Bible says that actually Satan or demonic forces can actually have an influence in our life greater than if we would forgive. That's what the scripture says in, in Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty six. The other thing is we shut shutting down emotionally. The opposite of that is to shut down and have no emotion. And say, I don't want to feel anything because I don't want to be hurt again. And so sometimes in marriages, couples shut down from one another because they've hurt each other, they've betrayed each other, or something has happened in their lives, or parents and children. Sometimes there is a break there because of something that has been said or done. And so they say, I'm going to shut down emotionally. I'm not even going to care about you anymore. That's a sign of a broken heart or a wounded spirit. God wants to bring healing to that. Sometimes a heart can become like stone. The Bible even says in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse, 20, uh, verse 26 and 27, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Then you'll know me. And my spirit will guide you to move you to follow my commands. There's a change that happens when we surrender to God and open up to him. The other thing is overwhelming shame and regret. People that have overwhelming shame from something that happened, a mistake that they made in the past, something that they've done in the past, and it continues to hound them. They don't feel right before God. They don't feel uh, clean before him. That can come because we have a broken heart. We need a forgiveness and healing in our lives. When shame and guilt cover our lives, we can't really praise God. And we end up moving away from God rather than moving towards God. And then the fourth one is a strong fear of rejection and failure. When you have a strong sense or a strong fear of rejection and failure, many times... God has worked in your life. He's even filled you with the Holy Spirit, but you're afraid to step out in faith and do the things that God has called you to do or revealed for you to do. And that's something because we're afraid of failure. We're afraid of making a mistake. When I was first in ministry, and um, we did a youth and family ministry in the inner city, uh, we decided to plant a church, and I was asked to do much of the preaching and the leading of this church. And because uh, I needed to develop, you know, I had to preach in front of a crowd, and I was never comfortable at speaking publicly. And so I would have a lot of anxiety, even though I knew that the Holy Spirit had touched my life, even though I had been a Christian, even though I had been in ministry, I had a lot of anxiety and fear. I don't know if some of you have fear of public speaking. <clears throat> but a lot of people do. It's very natural. But for me, it was overwhelming. And I would, just, uh, I would just really struggle with it a lot. 
And every time I had to pre- uh, preach, there'd be a tremendous amount of anxiety, more than normal. And I was trying my best, but I was depending, but I wasn't really depending upon the Holy Spirit. And I didn't know what was really going on in my life. And so I prayed to God and I said, God, there's got to be some way that you can change me so that I could do what you want me to do and fulfill the calling that you have in my life. And so one night I had this dream, and it was one of the most defining moments in my life. And if you're here and been here for 20 years, you've probably heard this dream before because it really, has cha- it really changed my life. Well, I was there in the auditorium where we usually had the church plant, and it was an old-school auditorium, and so there was a lot of seats. It was, it was a bigger area than this. And it was old with wooden chairs, and, but there was a lot of people sitting there. And usually in a church plant, you only start off with 40 or 50 people, you know. But this was full. And so I was really nervous because I'm standing up in front of a huge crowd, and I'm having to give this message And so in the dream, I'm like giving the message, and then all of a sudden a screen comes down in the back, and the the screen comes down, and I look at the screen, and there's this little boy, about seven or eight years old, and he has two men that have ropes, one wrapped around his neck, the other one wrapped around his body, and they're pulling, and he's in pain. And these guys are pulling him, and they're built like Jay Velez. I mean, they're big guys. Right? And so I'm going, oh my goodness, what, what is happening here? I'm losing my concentration. And, you know, and I said, if I say anything, people are going to think I'm crazy if I stop and, and, and help that little boy. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, Al, take authority over those demonic spirits. Those are demonic spirits. They're, they're oppressing that boy, they're hurting him. Do something. And so I, I said, but that's not right. If I stop preaching and I start doing that, I'm going to lose the attention of everybody. And, but I could not. I looked at that boy and I saw the pain he was in. And so in as much faith as I could mustard, I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, that boy belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. You must release him now in the name of Jesus because he was bought with the blood of Jesus. He belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I closed my eyes. And I, I, I didn't know if at that time anything happened, but then this song welled up within me. And it was a song that was popular at the time. It said, Jesus, he meets you where you are. Oh, Jesus, he heals your secret scars. All the love you're longing for is in Jesus, a friend of a wounded heart. And I looked, and everybody in the auditorium stood up, and they started to worship the Lord, and they were singing with me. And we were all worshiping the Lord. And then I looked up, and I saw the little boy, and he had his hands up. And he was thanking God. And then I woke up. I woke up. This was just a dream, okay? (laughs) And I woke up, and I said, Lord, 
It was like the Holy Spirit and I were having a little conversation. I said, Lord, I know I've seen that boy before. Who is that boy? That's you. That's you, Al. And at that moment, God began to reveal the fear of failure, the fear of rejection that I had ever since I was a little boy, ever since I was in first or second grade, wouldn't raise my hand, wouldn't, uh, you know, the shy little one, the quiet one. And God said, that's not who you are or who I want you to be. I have blessed you and I've anointed you and I want you to take authority. Whenever that comes at you again, you take authority over it. And ever since then, I've done that. That was many, many years ago. But you see, what was beginning to happen was that God was beginning to heal something in me that I didn't even know I had. I just thought it was so normal just to live with that fear of rejection and fear of failure. And it controlled my life. And there's things in our lives that we've been wounded by that continue to hound us and continue to speak to us a reality that is not true in Jesus Christ. And so God wants to take the lies that have been spoken to us or that keep on presenting themselves in our minds, and he wants us to exchange that for his truth and with his love. You know, Isaiah 62, verses 2 and 3 says, Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. And Jesus, when he spoke up in in this temple and he quoted these verses, he was in his own hometown. And in his own hometown, everybody knew Jesus as little baby Jesus dedicated at the temple. Little baby Jesus who grew up into a little boy who ran around the streets. Everybody knew him in that town. But here he is at 30 years of age, and he goes into the synagogue, and he reads this scripture, and he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus was owning the calling that God had on his life. Do you know, you have to own what God has called you to be and to do. It's something deep that God has to bring you into. And he does that through the power of his Holy Spirit. And as we come before him with humble and contrite hearts, he begins to speak into our lives who we really are in him. Not from our past, not because of what we've done in the past, but something new that he wants to do in us. He said, I'll comfort you. I'll bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Now, this is talking about when somebody has died in our lives and we're in deep grief. At times, God is going to restore you in his time and place on you a crown of beauty instead of ashes. He knows how broken we can be through the death of a loved one. A garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. He knows what depression is like. He knows when you look at in the mirror, and you don't like what's happening. He understands that. 
the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You know, God is able to change us and move in our hearts and do something deep in our hearts when we come to him. How did the people respond to Jesus? Well, at that moment, sometimes family can be the toughest on us, right? Well, and hometown crowd can be the toughest. What happened is with Jesus is they got so angry at him for saying that he was the Messiah that they were ready to kill him. They brought him to the brow of a hill near, near Nazareth, and they were ready to throw him off the edge and stone him to death. And the Bible says Jesus walked right through them and kept on going right into the ministry that God had for him. You know, that's the same thing that can happen in our lives. People that we love, that we consider, when you give your life fully to Jesus Christ, some people are going to say, that's just a passing thing. It's not going to last. Or, you know, who do you think you are? Now that you say you're following Jesus Christ, but God has a purpose and a plan. He does that healing in us. He can make us into what he wants us to be. What are some action steps to finding healing for your heart and soul? Number one, admit if your heart and soul are in need of healing. You know, I could have kept on walking around with that broken finger and said, you know, it doesn't really hurt. I think it'll just heal by itself. And it really didn't hurt. But that would, you would say, Al, come on. Go to the doctor. You need help, man. And a lot of times, that's the same thing in our lives. If we have a broken heart, we need help. We need God to help us. Sometimes we need somebody to come alongside us and pray with us or talk through the issue with us. Then come come humbly to the Lord. Call out to him. Spiritual brokenness is knowing that without God, you're nothing And can do nothing. It's a total dependence on him in every aspect of your life. That's what God wants for us. That's the normal Christian life. And then believe what God has spoken to you. Live in that truth and not the lie of the enemy. See, when God begins to speak, because he comes close to the brokenhearted, when he begins to speak to you the things that he wants you to know and gives you his promises, Those are his words to you to keep on going. That's what keeps you going. That's what buoys your spirit. That's what lifts you up. That's what helps you face adversity. And he keeps you going. So I pray for you that your heart, if you have a broken heart or a wounded spirit, that you'll allow God to heal you and enter in the inmost place of your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word to us today. Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts to what you want us to understand and know. Lord, a lot of times we're blinded to what our own need is. But many times we understand it, and yet we refuse to come to you. I pray, Father, that you would give us the courage and the heart to find restoration in you. That you give us the courage and the strength 
to be healed and made whole by you. And that even in this process of healing, Lord, we would not give up, that we would come all the more closer to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.